What are the most amazing running and hiking routes in the world? Who did them and how fast? Welcome to the exciting new world of fastest known time, commonly known as FKTs. This podcast is produced by fastestknowntime.com, a website where you find out what's new and cool, plus track FKT efforts taking place right now. On this podcast, we'll meet the remarkable athletes who have established some of the best FKTs, ask them how they did it, and find out what it means to them. And we won't waste any of your time. The Fastest Known Podcast delivers great info to you in just 30 minutes so you can get back to your run, which of course is more important. Welcome to the Fastest Known Podcast. This is where we discuss what's new and cool in the exciting world of fastest known times. And we deliver this great content in less than 30 minutes always, because after all, time is a little bit of what it's all about. This is Buzz Burrell. I'm here today with Anton Kropichka. Welcome. Thanks, Buzz. Thanks for having me. Uh, normally at this point in time, we do a, a boring biography of you, but we're going to skip that this time. That is fine with me. We've done that together I, like I, 20 I know, times. Yeah, and I know myself. So. <laughs> <laughs> so if anyone doesn't know Anton Kropichka, Google will suffice, I think. But we could summarize by saying you're an extremely well-known person and you've shifted from being a top ultra racer uh, to doing almost everything in the mountains from running, climbing, biking, and skiing. Yeah, that's, that's about right. Uh, I guess the one thing I would add to that was it wasn't initially uh, a voluntary shift. Mm -hmm. um, sort of imposed upon me by injuries, but instead of... Well, as an alternative to wallowing in self-pity, I guess I took up a bunch of other activities to get outside. So the injuries kept you, because you were a competitor. You loved competing. You loved I still racing. love competing, yeah. It's not, yeah. definitely not a past tense thing. Yeah, I, I think competition is super useful. Yeah. yeah, and then you've got, you had to take that side path of cycling, which is no impact. It's good yeah. and easy on your body, uh, because running, of course, is high impact, relatively speaking. Yeah. Uh, no, running is very abusive and something that I think is often overlooked about the sport. Uh, so in the summers, I do a lot of cycling as cross training. In the winters, a lot of skiing. And uh, in the summers, especially a lot of climbing too. So, yeah. And one of your more notable FKTs is the Longs Peak Triathlon. Where you That's why it's called a triathlon. It's biking, it's running or hiking, and it's climbing. Yeah, yeah, that was, gosh, I guess already two years ago I did that with uh, my buddy Stefan Griebel, a fellow athlete here in Boulder, a uh, mountain athlete. He, I would consider him a climber primarily, but he's really into the cardio stuff as well, uh, biking and running. And um, that was a cool objective because it combines all three of those. And you have to be, you have to be strong stamina-wise, endurance, but also technically proficient on an alpine big wall so uh you yeah, start it's, it's, in boulder now tradition the traditional start was the bus stop is that what you did yeah yeah we start from the bus stop in north boulder okay and then you bike 44 miles if memory serves correct. something like that 40 to 40 i can't remember exactly <laughs> yeah 42 maybe up to the longs peak trailhead where you uh stash your bike in the tree or lock it to a tree and then uh hike or run up to the base of, of the, the diamond yeah and that's why it's the triathlon, because then you climb the diamond, yep. which is, is that a 10B or a 10A? 
10A. Yeah, it's there's like it's like a 20 foot section that's 10A. The rest of it's more 5859. Uh, if the whole thing was was 10A, I would have a lot harder time on it. <laughs> Especially when we we had a our climbing rack consisted of four cams and four cams and eight draws. So uh, that's thin. Yeah, but that's because it's moderate. It's a moderate route. Um, otherwise, and there's you know there's fixed pitons, not really any fixed gear, but um, a couple of sling anchors and a few fixed pitons on the route. So mm -hmm. there's other intermittent protection. Some people would not call a ten A at thirteen and a half thousand feet moderate. That is well. That's funny that you mentioned the altitude. I just climbed it again a couple of weeks ago and. And I was reminded of how much harder climbing at almost 14K is. It's just, you're kind of just maxed out on something that down here in Boulder and Eldo, you'd feel really comfortable on. So, um, yeah, that's a factor for sure. And then you get to the top, and then you bundle up your gear. Mm -hmm. You run, jog, or hike down the North Face cables. Definitely running. Well, I mean, you, you, there's a quick scramble down the cable section itself, but then you're <laughs> running every step back down the trailhead if you're trying to go quickly. And yeah, you're just you're going for it, and that's mm -hmm. you, you have to have terrific footwork because this is called the Boulder Field. Yeah, the Boulder Field right below the cables is an iconic section for sort of the the every person's route up uh, the keyhole route on Long's Peak, and it's just a jumble of boulders, and it's super tricky. It's it's I mean, trying to run through that quickly is at least as dangerous as climbing on the diamond itself because you catch a toe, you're going to break your face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's going to be the full-on yard sale. Yeah. And then you get back down to the trailhead, you get on the bikes, and mm -hmm. it's 44 miles back to Boulder. Yeah, and that's where it really, um, that becomes the crux because even though it's downhill, you get down to Lyons, well, there's rollers even before that along the P2P, and then you get down to Lyons, and it's another 12 miles or so back to Boulder, and uh, if you catch a headwind, or it's just there's these rollers, and you're at the end of this long effort, so it really is nice to have a partner to be trading, drafting with. Mm -hmm. um, so How long did it take? Uh, it took Stephen and I nine hours and six minutes. 9.06? Yeah, and that was... Uh, well, we, we broke the overall FKT, and that we're set the overall FKT doing that, but that was unsupported. So we carried all of our gear from Boulder to the top of Long's Peak and back. Uh, so you're biking with ropes and... Exactly. Rope. We're biking with a rope and, and our climbing rack and change of climbing shoes, harness, all that, helmets. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I guess you, you would definitely go faster with support if you had someone... Uh, even if you had gear stashed at the base of the diamond or something like that, uh, just because you wouldn't have to carry all that weight up. But nine know. hours and six minutes is how long it takes some people to do Long's Peak up and back from the trailhead just... Oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, there's people starting at 2, 3 in the morning all summer long to right. go up the keyhole route. Well, that's sure. a good project. Congratulations again. Mm, thanks, Buzz. Yeah. And you've tried a few other things in the past that haven't worked out. Oh, I've done a whole search of stuff that hasn't worked out. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's something that is maybe not uh, uh, as widely realized is that it doesn't always... Um, so people hear about the successes. Yeah, people hear about the successes, and mountains are unpredictable, and that's why we go into the mountains is because there's an element of uncertainty and adventure, and that means that you're going to fail a lot of the time, I guess. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Kyle Richardson just set the FKT on the LA freeway. Yeah, yeah. 
That's a, that's a good route. I know you've considered it. I've definitely considered it. Um, it something I'm still, I mean, I would like to break his time for sure. Uh, I think it's a super cool route going from Long's Peak to South Arapahoe Peak. Uh, it's neat because there's an element, there's a technical element to it that uh, creates a certain barrier to entry, I think. Uh, you know, even something like Nolan's 14, which I've also attempted and failed miserably at, uh, you never have to, it never has to be more difficult than class two, you know, basically just off trail hiking. Um, but this is, there's mandatory five, six on it, which is really cool. And it's, it's mandatory. You can't get around it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. That's just a nice, that's something that makes it interesting and engaging. Well, we're talking with Kyle next, so stay tuned on that. Right on. Um, and you, but you can handle five six. Is there any other routes? Usually, I can handle five six. I've backed off five six before. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, that's well, that's good. Let's just, just to dwell on that because we talk yeah. about numbers. People always want to hear about the numbers. Sure. How far is it, et cetera, et cetera? What's the grade? But really, isn't it about how you feel? It's always about how you feel. I mean, just like a year ago, I was up in the Cirque of the Towers in the Wind River Range in Wyoming, and the. There's a really classic alpine traverse there of all the towers in the Cirque. I think it's 10 peaks. and Cirque of the Towers. Yeah, Cirque of the Towers, Southern Wind River Range. And I got to the second one, the East Ridge of Wolf's Head, and I'm on-siding it solo. But that route is supposed to be 5.6, and I wasn't feeling comfortable with this certain traverse section. I looked thin and extremely exposed to me. That's the hand traverse right. Uh, kind of a piton traverse, yeah. yeah. It's not, it's, there's no crack, yeah. It's sort of this like, well, it's a very thin crack that you can it's, pound pitons into. But yeah, it's these little dishes. It's just out on this face. What kind of shoes were you using? I was in climbing shoes, uh-huh. just see pros, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I wasn't just in running shoes, uh, but you know, I, I thought I thought I'd done the crux of the route because I just you know twenty minutes before that I'd soloed a five eight pitch on Pingora. South Buttress of Pingor and was felt a hundred percent solid the entire way, you know. Wow. And so it's just you never know, um, especially with an old school route like that or a historic route like that. I guess we just you can never go by the grade, right? Uh, yeah. It's got to be how you feel. When I did that, I had backpacked in. I was on a five day backpack. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so I had brought climbing shoes for that. I would recommend climbing shoes for that. <laughs> <laughs> that hand traverse right. It gave me pause. I said, "Wow. Yeah. Really. This is it." Huh. Mm-hmm. And I looked at a couple of different options. You can go high, and there's actually a crack. You can go low, and there's little dishes, and I just didn't feel good about either of them. So, good yeah. call. Yeah. Good call. That's, uh, I think Fastest Known Times are a fascinating realm of the adventure world, aren't they? Because in a race, you're always looking at that number. There's a distance. Here's the vert. In a climbing, you're looking at the grade. Yeah. But in FKT, no. Well, it just depends. Like, there's so many... There's very few, I guess all the unknowns in a race are internal. Like, are you going to be able to maintain motivation, essentially, or stubbornness to overcome the discomfort? Uh, in an FKT, if you're trying to go fast on uh, a less controlled route in the mountains, you know, one where there's no aid stations, there's no support system, there's no safety net, basically, uh, you have to... Be self-reliant and make good decisions so that you uh, are in order to be successful. And sometimes being successful just means getting back to the car uh, mm-hmm. alive. So 
yeah, I don't know. There's there's a lot more adventure uh, in these more unofficial events, I guess. Right. And you mentioned uh, successful FKT is getting back to the car alive, but of course, FKT... depends on it depends on the route, obviously. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> there's plenty of FKTs uh, or established FKTs that are just trail runs, right? You know, which is totally cool as well. Um, and right. the, but the reason that people try to go fast on them is probably because there's some kind of iconic route. Mm. Um, and here mean, in Boulder, of course, we're, we sort of have this slanted demographic, don't we? Well, Boulder, yeah, Boulder is the, there's this nexus of the mountain running world and the climbing world. And it's a really, uh, it's funny, a lot of uh, talk, hanging out with a lot of my ski mountaineering friends, we'll talk about how like there's Boulder, there's Salt Lake City, and there's like Pacific Northwest. And those are kind of like, <laughs> it's not Boulder, but it's like Colorado. But right. those are the three kind of places where people are sort Ski of pushing things and yeah. yeah and trying to move light and fast in the mountains and, and so it's these very niche little pockets of the activities there's lots of people who backcountry ski not a lot of people who are trying to do giant traverses link ups i guess right yeah. but it is important to say that once we get out of our little bubble here there's people out there just having great trips just great times uh, course, like yeah. The Pemi loop, the Pemi Jawasset loop in New Hampshire is mm -hmm. a good example. What exactly. a fun loop. And yeah, I mean, I've never done it, but I've heard good things about it. And that, But see, that's something about FKTs that I think is really cool is uh, it's only limited by your own creativity. Mm -hmm. You know, like whatever inspires you in your backyard and that sort of thing. You don't have to travel to do this. There's obviously the iconic ones are certain places like the Grand Canyon, for instance. But... Uh, you can decide what challenge you want to devise for yourself in your own backyard and, um, yeah, start recording times on it, basically. That's a, such a good point because people listening to this, they're going to say, well, I don't have that type of terrain in my backyard or they don't want to climb five, six free solo. Right. And what you're saying is doesn't matter. I mean, your, your creativity is all the thing, only thing that matters. Yeah, and, and everything I do in the mountains, what I'm doing is trying to find that point where the challenge meets my skills and abilities and fitness at the right point uh, to where I'm sufficiently challenged, basically, or sort of optimally challenged. And so, yeah, if you're not comfortable with scrambling, then course like why why don't worry about, about it. yeah don't worry about it but but uh if you love running trails do that you know and um yeah I, so yeah like if the whole fkt concept is infinitely malleable and adaptable i guess great yeah i think that's certainly how i've always looked at it yeah. people ask me you know what what they should do and of course the answer is fairly simple uh, you just said it what's in your backyard right right and which brings up another thing, I guess, though, sort of the multi-sport aspect and the creativity aspect. And I don't know, that's, that's something about uh, the whole concept that really is attractive for me, I guess, is that you can <clears throat> try and uh, come up with something that inspires you, but is also sort of gets your creative juices flying and, um, you know, you do something that maybe people wouldn't have thought of before, but it still makes a lot of sense logically. Right. So there's something in it for everyone. <laughs> Sorry about the cliche, but there really is. No, no, there really is. That. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Well, there's some trends happening, so, and you're a student of the sport. 
you really study your history. You know your history very well. So let's just converse about that a little bit. Of course, last year we had uh, two polar opposites. We had String Bean, Joe McConaughey, mm-hmm. on the AT, uh, self-supported yep. and blew away the supported times from two of the best ultra runners in U.S. history. Right. Well, at the same time, we had Francois Dion uh, out there on the JMT mm-hmm. with not only supported, but like race level support. Yeah, I mean, I would say full support. Full yeah. support where people... Especially, with... I mean, which is difficult on something like the JMT, as you well know, you and Peter have done it multiple times, and there's not that many access points, so your crew has to be super committed as well. <laughs> <laughs> you have to have a really strong yeah. crew to support you in the JMT. Right. It's the first time it had ever happened. Right. Now, we, of course, run the fastest known time of the year awards, mm-hmm. which is just a peer group award, of course, as right. you know. Just recognizing what's inspiring. That's all it's doing. And it's notable that both, to me, that both Joe's unsupported I mean, self-supported AT and Francois's fully supported JMT were equally acknowledged. Yeah, well, I think when you're looking at the overall fastest time on something, that's always going to have the cachet, you know, Uh, which is what Francois's time or, you know, sort of the category that he was in on the JMT. But I can't remember what year that was when uh, Brett... When Come on. My own one, com- completely unsupported, mm-hmm. or self, no, it was unsupported, mm-hmm. uh, on the JMT, and that's super clean style, and I think he broke the overall time at that point in time. Correct. I mean, it's, I don't know, it's just cool when people come in with a vision and do something completely different, but you know, Francois' time was so, but that's the other thing, uh, Joe McConaughey's time on the AT broke the overall time too, so, um, yeah, it's their... They were both very impressive performances. <laughs> <laughs> they are. That's what it comes down to. Of that, we're, we, yeah. we cannot disagree. And I appreciate that uh, as we've developed Fastest Known Time and have got the website going, we definitely do not value judge how the style Well, is. see, and that's the thing. The, the style ends up being such a personally, right, like an internal choice. It's, it's like what experience are you looking to have out on the trail, out in the mountains, um, um, obviously all of this, uh, you're looking for some sort of validation from your peer group. Otherwise you wouldn't publicize it in any way. Um, you wouldn't even care if people believed you or not, but most humans were social beings. We, we like, we reside in communities. We do care to a certain degree, but you're the one having the experience out there on the trail. So the style that you choose ends up being a very personal decision, I think. Excellent. Very well put. I like that. I like that. We're social beings. And so otherwise, why even tell anyone you did it? So right, let's, exactly. let's admit that you want some recognition. Yet at the same time, particularly with an FKT, it's entirely personal. You pick the style right. that inspires you and is appropriate to the project. That's, that's a big, I mean, that's a really, you know, you mentioned Kyle, you know, just a couple weeks ago up on the LA freeway. And he went in initially because uh, he and I are good friends, and we talked about this a lot. And he went in initially wanted to do it unsupported, you know, like start to finish, um, no resupplies. But it's just there's no this time of year it's so dry in the high country. It's just no water. I was like, it's like you know you'd be carrying 15 pounds of water from the start. <laughs> That's just I think the cleanest way to do this is self support. You know, like cash some water, two caches over a 33 mile route is. 
I don't know, pretty lean as it is. And I think that's, I think that's the cleanest way to do that particular objective. But, uh, and that's, I think that's, you know, that's what you ended up doing. So, um, yeah, it's, it, I guess that just speaks to the, the whole appropriate thing that you're talking about. You know, what's appropriate given the objective. Right, right. Separate but equal. Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, what's, what kind of gear are you using on these trips? Uh, I totally, again, it totally depends on the objective. Uh, something like that, you know, Kyle was out there for 16 hours. Uh, you don't carry much, but you need to carry it. Uh, so he, he had like a jacket and food and water basically. Um, and so now in the last, I don't know what, six years, vests have become so popular that they're sort of the perfect tool for that job. Um, the running vest. Yeah, just a running vest versus who knows. It, it all depends on how much you're going to take with you. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But yeah, and again, you know, sometimes, you know, something like the Circuit of the Towers, if you're going to go in there, I've got a pair of climbing shoes and a chalk bag in my vest and not so much uh, food and water. So, yeah, it's a little shorter. Uh -huh. Leave the rope behind, bring the chalk bag. Absolutely. <laughs> if you're, <laughs> chalk's a lot lighter, and a lot of times it's, it helps you feel more secure, too. <laughs> what, uh, where do you see fastest known times going at this point? What's, what's on your radar? What's, what's, we're going to do the fastest known time of the year awards mm. again at the end of this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what are you seeing? Well, I think the, the main uh, growth is... It seems like there's a lot of interest internationally, yes. uh, which is super cool to see, uh, you know, America leads the way in a lot of popular culture, uh, but this is sort of a unique point where this concept is, is leading the way coming from America, because a lot of times Europe has led the way in the mountains. Yeah. It's just like, it's the birthplace of alpinism and ski mountaineering and all that. Um, but it's, so it's kind of cool to see this concept being picked up around the world um, when it sort of originated, I don't know if this is, this is, <laughs> there's a lot of contention <laughs> of this <laughs> and I recognize that, but I'm going to go ahead and say that here in Boulder with guys like yourself and Peter and Bill Wright, um, yes. coining the term fastest no time and then sort of, uh, popularizing it. Boulder was, where we, Boulder was. The yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, that's a good point. Uh, we get, Probably three submissions a day. People are blown away by it. Oh, on the website. Fastestknowntime.com. Check it out. Three submissions on average a day. That's cool. Yeah. And they are from all over the world. <laughs> it's like a full-time job for Peter. <laughs> <laughs> sort of like vetting that stuff, you know? Or like, yes. You know, or just like, I don't know, verifying, I guess. Yes. He but, works at it. Yeah. He, he works at it. So <clears throat> it's really helpful that there's someone that stable and that rational and that absolutely fair well, see, that's the thing, and that sort of centralized, uh, I don't know, clearinghouse is what develops community and develops rapport in a community. and uh, It builds community. Exactly, it builds community, yeah. Because um, without that, then everything, it's just, it's all kind of scattered and random. And well, here's an interesting little story on that. You mentioned Europe and the interest over there. When we went live with FastestKnownTime.com, the first two submissions maybe because of the time difference, were from some guy, maybe you've heard of him, his name is Killian. 
first two submissions and uh, the, the two uh, routes, or maybe you've heard of this. One was called, I think it's Matterhorn. No, it was Mount Blanc. <laughs> Mount Blanc. <laughs> Mount, it, was a, it was the Mount Blanc, and it was the uh, Matterhorn. Yeah, those are two pretty famous mountains. Yeah, you've heard of those. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so do you think this guy Killian's legit, or is he just some fake? I mean, his times are just incredible. you think this guy was making it up, or is this legit? Uh, I mean, I looked into his race resume, and I was pretty impressed, so <laughs> I think you can probably believe him. <laughs> well, that's what uh, we definitely did. That was a little joke, of course. Uh, so you're, I'm, I'm looking at this coming in from Europe and elsewhere, and yeah. of course, I just want to immediately get on a plane. Uh, the fastest known time routes are coming in. They're really interesting. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You know, the people who live near these routes know them best and know what makes sense and, and what's inspiring, what's logical. So uh, I think probably routes that are established as fastest known time routes around the world end up being super classic routes. And it's an easy way to to figure out what the classics are in a given area. It's a, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. By looking on the fastestknowntime.com website, you can figure out what to do if you're in an area. You don't have to go for an FKT. No, no, but just to get out and, and do that route, yeah. Do the classics. Yeah, it exactly. is essentially a list of the classics. Totally, isn't it? yeah. I mean, otherwise, why would you bother to put in a you know, focused effort on it? <laughs> <laughs> what thoughts would you have for someone who wants to do something, you know, wants to go... You already mentioned... Uh, you know, your own creativity right. what moves you anything else any other thoughts you would offer to someone I mean for me that's that's like the beginning and the end you know you have you have to be moved by it you know otherwise I don't know because then it comes back to that thing of uh, even with GPS and all that stuff there's still it's an internal satisfaction it's an honor thing and so if you're not personally and you don't have all of that external energy that comes from a race um you know crowds and a crew and spectators i mean maybe you have a crew but uh so yeah it has to be this the, the, the cheering section is fairly small it's fairly small <laughs> so uh on esoteric endeavors like this it has to be really internally motivated you have so to be and that's something that i can't i can't tell someone else mm -hmm what should motivate them. That so maybe they need to be personal. Maybe that's your advice, is find something that inspires them. Absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely my advice. And not everyone... Some people are inspired only by races, which is totally fine, too. Uh, and I'm personally very inspired by a lot of races, but this other stuff is super interesting as well. So I have to ask you, <clears throat> please pardon me, What's next for you? Oh God, what's next for me? Yeah, and of course, you know the contact. You know, you know how this goes because yeah. you're an incredible endurance athlete. You're just an endurance monster. Your Strava feed. If there's if there's FKTs <laughs> for Strava feeds, you can put it up there. Well, at the same time, I was like FKTs for injuries. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the other part. Yeah, yeah. You you struggle with physical ailments. I'm sorry. Yeah. About that. I mean, I'm really truly am sympathetic and it really yeah, is yeah but it's a it's a you can't talk about one without the other you know um i think a big reason why i'm injured so much is that volume yeah of course yeah mm -hmm. i'm not rational with it so so uh, you, you're not rational so in other words you've identified that maybe a little less volume would help the injury thing but it's hard to stick to that yeah i mean volume is putting it too simplistically but uh yeah, just more attention to 
the limits of the body, I guess, <laughs> like rest and recovery mm-hmm. in between harder efforts or longer efforts, yeah. Mm-hmm. Would uh, uh, up nutrition, you know, caloric intake, protein intake during the... You, you mean like on the trail? Well, um, it is what I <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Certainly not depriving myself uh, in the kitchen. Um, I suppose, yeah, that's something I would still push back about, but uh, yeah, it's just a pain to carry that stuff I guess but <laughs> it's just like not well, as well min- minimalism is an ethic that's hard to break I mean, yeah it's a, it's a yeah. style that's so attractive even as you've grown and evolved from your you were Mr. Minimalism you were like the poster sure. boy of minimalism yeah, yeah, yeah and then quicker than people actually were aware you evolved out of the hardcore minimalism and you started wearing shoes that had a little structure and support. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And people, I think, weren't even aware that you would... Well, be- yeah, and people probably still think that I run around barefoot or something, um, which was never the case in the first place. But, uh, yeah, well, mostly, I still like to keep things as simple as possible. It's just a lot of the stuff that I do in the mountains now requires more gear. Mm-hmm. And so you have to carry it. You know, you're talking about climbing equipment or skiing equipment or what have you. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's all pretty. It's all the, it's all the same ethic though of taking what you need and no more. Right, taking what you need, no more, and sometimes it's just more. Yeah, sometimes mm-hmm. it's just more. Exactly. What projects do you have on your radar? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of different things, and I waffle about them a lot because like right now I'm dealing with this Achilles injury so it really well I'm here to be your counselor yeah yeah it nags it nags at my confidence though of whether I can like for instance just a couple days ago I biked up to the Indian Peaks intending to do this classic traverse up there uh and I got literally 12 minutes up the trail and I was like Achilles isn't having it, so turned around and biked home. So Achilles tendonitis is your limiting factor right Tendinopathy, now. yeah. Mm-hmm. Tendonitis is more acute. This is an ongoing chronic thing that's been going on for a year and a half now. But, um, yeah, uh, at the same time, you know, I ran 15 miles this morning and 25 miles a couple of days ago. And so I can run, but it just depends on the terrain. But, I mean, what, I, what inspires me in the mountains are link-ups of peaks, Self-powered, so maybe biking between peaks. Uh, and then... Well, is there any... Can we spill the beans in anything specific? I mean, pre, pre-sprain pre is bad form. <laughs> 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 That's what it comes down to. <laughs> it's okay to talk about it if you've done it. Um, so, I mean, in other words, if you haven't done it, it's, it's a little awkward to kind of... Yeah, uh, yeah. It's awkward. It's just like, what are you even talking about? You haven't done anything. You know? <laughs> um, so, it's well, a funny thing, isn't it? It's yeah, a it's... Because on one hand, if you announce it, if you say it in advance, like we're having this nice, pleasant conversation mm-hmm. and so forth. On the other hand, it's out there. People are going to hear about it. And then if you don't do it, they're going to say, oh, oh, didn't do that. Oh. Exactly, yeah. I see. And, 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 and anytime you announce something, you're drawing attention to yourself. And if you're drawing attention to yourself, you want to at least accomplish something, I guess. I'd rather than just talked about accomplishing something. It's just whatever. Uh, okay, so we're not mentioning any project names then, is that no, right? No, no. But okay. Biking Between Peaks is interesting to me, uh, and High Alpine Traverses. Okay. Yeah, All you right. know, of moderate technical grade. So in um, other words, we're scheduling an interview for you with you in two months from now, is that right? I hope so. 
<laughs> I gotta hope that I've done something worth talking about in two months. That would make me very pleased. Excellent. Um, but it's no guarantee. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'd feel a lot better, you know, going into my typical fallow and fat season in the fall if I'd done something with my summer. But yeah. Right. <laughs> Rather than just like a bunch of days in Eldo and a bunch of days on the bike. That's not that interesting. <laughs> but well, well, good luck. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, I hope you, uh, if you don't mind me saying so, take a few days off and take a little rest and set a goal. Yeah. Do a little taper for it. Definitely, yeah. That, I mean, that's that's very logical. Um, I took yesterday easy. <laughs> so yeah, excellent. Well, I look forward to hearing how it turns out, and look forward to talking with you again, uh, maybe this fall or this winter. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, uh, yeah. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff going on out there, and uh, I look forward to following this podcast. <laughs> Great. Thank you, Tony. Yep. I hope you've gotten some good ideas for your next big run. Subscribe to this podcast so you can find out what's cool every week. It will be delivered to you each Friday. And definitely go to fastestknowntime.com to read the notes from this show and ask questions or make comments on what you've heard today. There are FKTs being reported daily that are incredible, but you maybe have never heard of them. So stay up on what is happening on this website and follow us on Twitter, the Gram, and Facebook. Many people have thanked us for this work, and you can too by clicking support this site at the bottom of the webpage. Tune in next Friday. It's going to be fast and good.